Yeah, I hope the first, because uh, you mentioned earlier that you don't really listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. so I'm going to send you uh, some ones that I know you like, but hopefully Sweet. this will be one that you listen to. Um, yeah, to, just, you know, when you hear your voice for the first time, it's a little bit... <laughs> oh, it's going to be the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. I'm just, like, you know, I've been doing this for like six years and kind of starting to get used to it, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, why would anyone listen to me? <laughs> Lions Podcast. Episode 75 with Jason Field, co-founder of Brain Station. Um, who are you rooting for in the uh, Euro Cup? I know you're a, a soccer guy. Yeah, uh, so I always root for England, unfortunately, oh. uh, in which I'm always disappointed. <laughs> uh, I have a bit of a British background, so... Okay. Did you have a backup? Uh, a backup team? Wales? Iceland was like my backup just in respect to uh, yeah the the dark horse I guess like everyone was kind of like subtly rooting for them Uh, just really fun team to watch the the whole clap was just awesome in terms of like getting the the fans going and that sort of thing yeah I have to confess I'm not a big soccer fan yeah it's all Um, all good you know I I, I honestly uh, I haven't watched soccer like in a large way in a long time yeah. uh, it just comes down to like time unfortunately but the Euro I did tune in quite a bit yeah um, and so you grew up playing soccer I did yes at a fairly competitive level yeah I played uh, initially in Oakville where, where I grew up uh, I played rep uh, which is like club or like traveling teams uh, I then played for a team in Mississauga before then going off to Western University uh, in which I was going to play on the Western team, unfortunately injured, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of ended that period of my life. But it ate up a huge component of my youth. Yeah. And you you wrote something about how soccer has prepared you to be a startup CEO, mm. uh, which I found very interesting, and um, I've got my own thoughts about that. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'd like to hear yours. How did it prepare you? Uh, I think that team sports in general. So it just so happened to be soccer for me, but I could have paralleled that with basketball or volleyball or anything like that. Uh, I think that when you're growing up, it's it's very important, whatever the group activity is, uh, in order to be a part of a team and interact with others that have different strengths, um, areas of opportunity, uh, looking to motivate them, uh, ignite them, fire them up for like that common goal. Uh, I think more specifically in the article, I talked to uh, soccer having these different layers in the same way that like a startup or a business has kind of like um, the the execution. So the strikers. And yeah, the exactly. So the strikers being more of like the sales, um, more of the, the putting you know meat on the plate type of thing, like right. bringing the food home for the team. Um, midfield being more strategic in respect to like, uh, you know, which strikers do we mm-hmm. place these leads or these opportunities in order to capitalize on. Uh, and then the actual execution, or you can see it as like the customer experience or customer service team, which is the last line of defense. So if, if things are gonna break down, if things are gonna fall apart, like the product team or the customer experience team, they're the ones that deal with the kind of like inbound stuff mm. versus going out there and actually um, producing. Uh, what position did you play? Uh, I played all over actually, and I think that would be kind of part of my That's learning. Why. Yeah, it's totally. I played everything from keeper to striker, but primarily it was uh, central midfield. 
um, passes. And you wrote about that, saying that uh, your ability to play every position and uh, essentially be comfortable with awkwardness. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you said something interesting, which was uh, vulnerability is important as an entrepreneur. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think that as an entrepreneur, you don't know what things will look like in about two seconds time, mm-hmm. uh, let alone weeks, months, years. Uh, and in order to lead in a state of kind of uh, volatility, you have to be vulnerable because things are going to be thrown your way that you just, you don't know that they're coming. And if you, if you approach things with too much of a barrier or a shield, then you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. Whereas if you kind of like go with the flow, I guess, uh, I think that's where a lot of like the magic will happen or, or things that you couldn't have seen coming. Um, so having that, that aspect of vulnerability really just leaves yourself open to um, making mistakes, going bigger than sometimes you can handle yourself, but then coming out on top, picking yourself up, and then moving on to that next thing. Um, you're the co-founder of BrainStation. What is BrainStation? Uh, so BrainStation has evolved over time, but uh, at this point, uh, I guess we could um, embody empowering individuals and organizations to succeed digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of reading about you, it all came out of a need. I think you were working for Lululemon at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, you were, uh, I think you were managing the retail side. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you wanted to do something uh, kind of beyond your skill set, and, and there was a pain point there in which you didn't have the skills necessary, and and, uh, and, and that's kind of maybe where the impetus from BrainStation yeah, came. Yeah, totally. Uh, I had worked for Lululemon when I was backpacking. I was backpacking through Southeast Asia and ended up in Australia on the working holiday visa, kind of looking for any work just to continue traveling and experience things as a, uh, as a backpacker. And I landed a job with Lululemon, just part-time sales associate. And so just like entry level, just entry level, totally whatever I could grab. Uh, I fell in love with the, the company, the culture, uh, the, their motivations, their mission. Um, so I really kind of dug into the company in general. Uh, within six months, I was one of the the managers of the flagship store in Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. And my working holiday visa permitted me to work with one organization for six months, mm-hmm. uh, which then I had to move on to another organization or I put it out there that I wanted to actually continue to grow with them into new markets. So New Zealand was next where I was for six months Uh, and then in returning back to Canada uh, I really wanted to set my sights on global strategy uh, at their head office in Vancouver Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that I didn't have the skill set which would be needed for the digital future which was e-commerce. So I looked into where would I get that, and that's kind of where I came to realize that it didn't exist, at least what I was looking for. And what year was that? This would have been 20, 2012, I believe. Seems so long ago. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's, yeah, startup years, they feel so long. Yeah, well, four years is kind of like a startup cycle, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, and so you, in university, you, um, you know, you... Um, yeah, it's fine. Uh, we're just we got a little bit of extra noise in here, so no big deal. Um, but uh, the um, in university, you got a chance to, or going through university, you got a chance to work with some pretty big brands hmm. when you were very young. Um, Coca Cola, Budweiser, Vitamin Water, uh, to name a few. And so you you had this uh, you know experience working with like some pretty crazy um, iconic brands. 
what was it back then that, uh, wh- I mean, what did you learn back then from, from those experiences that kind of, you know, f- uh, have led you to this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was learning what I didn't want to do. Mm. That was the most important thing. So working for the big brands was awesome. And I was doing it mainly through uh, Mosaic Marketing or Sales Solutions, which, which is an experiential marketing company. So I was able to work on these massive event campaigns and that sort of thing for these um, beverage companies, CPG brands and that sort of thing. Um, and then other than that, I worked for uh, one of the big banks in cards as a marketing coordinator. And I just I felt that my impact wasn't nearly as large as I wanted it to be and mm-hmm. there's just so many layers and when you are uh, either in school or fresh out of school you, you kind of have like a minimal impact that you can make mm-hmm. um, so I think it was learning that that wasn't necessarily the path for me and then working with those brands regardless of whether it was the path or not it's kind of like they have done some substantial things they've grown over decades uh, centuries so any time that you can work with or touch one of those brands, you learn something new. Uh, So Coca-Cola does so many different things in a unique way and learning about their product, the way that they talk about it, that sort of thing. Uh, And then the same thing with like a Budweiser or vitamin water, how they, how they show up, um, their, their copy, their brand voice, uh, their different campaigns, that sort of thing. Um, And then, you know, working in cards for one of the big banks, user acquisition strategy and retargeting and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, each each brand had its own layer of kind of learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't want to sell uh, beverages, basically. No. 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 Um, in 2013, you did something really cool. Um, you, uh, I mean, as as you kind of uh, detailed in your blog, uh, the blog is uh, Endorphin Field, right? Mm-hmm. Which you call. Uh, a very dodgy looking blog. Very dodgy. So you weren't yeah. clearly weren't using any of your branding skills. No. Like BrainStation <laughs> is beautifully branded. Thank like you. it's it's fan- I actually I just I stole a sticker, so I'm gonna put it on my laptop. Awesome. It's, a, it's a great sticker. Uh, so I'm kind of a branding nerd as well. And um, so yeah, the blog blog is a little dodgy. But in it, um, you detailed essentially a year where you uh, you sweat every single day that year. Do you mm-hmm. wanna do you wanna talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, that was a good year in terms of physical fitness. Not very much that way anymore but yeah. <laughs> uh, that year was was pretty cool so I was still working for Lululemon I had just come back from um, New Zealand mm-hmm. and the first component of the year I was working at Lululemon uh, in Toronto doing um, you know floor management that sort of thing uh, and working on some different men's strategic initiatives for uh, Toronto and Canada East and part of that was being a community builder and a lot of my hours were spent outside of the store trying to build the, the brand organically. So I've, mm. I figured that uh, in sweating every day for a year, the amount of connections that I would make, the amount of people that I would network with, it would be great for myself, obviously, from a personal health, wellness perspective, but then also perfect for the brand that I was representing into the community, uh, especially Lululemon uh, as a men's brand. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, showing up in a big way at CrossFit boxes, run, run clubs, uh, yoga studios, the, the whole gamut. So within a year, I made tons of different connections and would feature different stories, different yoga instructors, their studios, their studio owners, uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So very similar to um, uh, a podcast, but it was more of a, a dodgy looking blog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're dodgy sometimes too, so I don't know, we'll see. Um, but uh, so in all that, you know, how do you build community? I mean, what did you learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest thing is 
sweating together? Honestly, sweating together is huge. Uh, it's still a component that I, I bring into our work at BrainStation mm-hmm. because we look to create a community both internally with our with our team that's growing, our educators, our students, but then also externally um, within the King West community or in Vancouver or in Yaletown. Uh, and sweating is a big component of that. And I think that it comes back to almost like the vulnerability theme in that if you're doing yoga, a lot of people are going to be good at it. A lot of people mm-hmm. are going to be like mediocre and then others, it'll be their first time. Right. But in putting yourself out there, it kind of like opens everyone up to be more genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's less barriers, less walls. So I think it's just really, it's great as a connection mechanism. It kind of levels the playing field and everyone yes. gets to start at the same place. Mm-hmm. And you also, you know, in, in, in some cases, I remember in the early days of CrossFit before the big brands entered the equation, everyone was wearing like Chuck Taylors and sweats. Mm-hmm. And and that was really cool because you didn't really know if someone was a doctor, a lawyer, or you know, uh, you know, a, a villain. I don't know, whatever. Like you didn't really know, right? And all you you could see was their effort in the workout, and it was a it was a very much a meritocracy mm-hmm. in that way. And and I love that. Do you do you incorporate uh, that with your own team here? Do you still sweat together? Yes, totally. Uh, we're actually going to fuel this Friday for a sweat mm-hmm. session. So awesome. And Academy That's pretty close. <laughs> very, very soon as well. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, and uh, so you mentioned some of the different places Brain Station exists. And one of the places that really stood out to me, I mean, Toronto makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Vancouver makes sense. Uh, New York, right? Mm-hmm. Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Why Costa Rica? Yeah, so... You just like to spend time there or what? Yeah, the surf is great, Uh, the weather. No, I mean, that is an obvious Mm -hmm. uh, component, but uh, we were, as a brand, a year and a half ago acquired by a parent company, Conrad Group, uh, who actually has uh, an office in Costa Rica. So Mm -hmm. we, upon the unification of the two brands, more or less inherited their infrastructure that existed in Latin America, uh, as well as the infrastructure in Manhattan as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Toronto, our campus, is kind of Brain Station net new, and then the same thing with Vancouver. Uh, we exist out there, but Conrad Group doesn't. So I think that's one of the awesome benefits that came with the collaboration. Is there a is there a scene in Costa Rica? Or mm-hmm. Is it like you know expat driven? Um, a lot of digital nomads. Like what's what's it like over there? I think that it's it's a very uh, intelligent country, and the opportunity for digital savviness is mm-hmm. is extremely high. So similar to what what you mentioned about CrossFit. Um, and a meritocracy, the internet provides the same sort of infrastructure for anyone around the world with, I guess, the same connection speed uh, in order to build off of it and grow off of it. And I think that Costa Ricans are just exceptionally digital. Uh, hmm. Upon visiting there, the the community there in San Jose, which is where we're actually based out of, um, just very savvy. You know, I was extremely impressed, and everyone's looking to learn new skills, whether it's web development, web design, user experience design, etc. Uh, it's a lot of go-getters, and I, I think that a lot of the digital firms uh, exist in different areas of Latin America because of that strong and solid infrastructure of innovative and digital minds. It's a very young population, from what right. I saw. Yeah. And I guess they're kind of unfettered by institution there. I mean, we have a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff in North America that might, you know, maybe uh, once you're on a certain track, prevent you from upgrading your education. But when you're, um, you know, uh, out there with a laptop, you can almost do anything from Mm -hmm. anywhere. 
And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it seems to me that a lot of these uh, previously marginalized areas, once, you know, the internet and the, uh, you know, the, uh, the telecommunication, uh, sorry, the, uh, the, the cheap computers mm-hmm. kind of come, come onto the scene, well, the potential there is huge, right? Totally. Yeah, and I think that we are, we're not even seeing the complete wave of that impact. And I think mm-hmm. it will be over the next decade or two that we see that from a, an economic um, perspective, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, what was the country? I think Estonia mm-hmm. was a very early innovator when it came to the consumer-facing internet, and um, it's become apparent with like their entrepreneurial uh, success stories, like Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a very innovative scene where the amount of red tape uh, is completely removed because they just right. want to endorse that entrepreneurialism, that innovation. Um, yeah. So you have a mission to empower 100 million people through BrainStation by 2025? So 1 million, I think, unless we've changed that. Uh, but 1 million uh, before 2025, and I think yeah. uh, we can throw up 100 million, 100%. Uh, I don't by know then? if we'll do it by okay. then. Uh, yes, but that is our goal. Um, so are you driven by um, you know, some sort of need to... to uplift, um, I guess, people through education? Like, what, where, you know, I, I understand the personal side, like you really need these skills and that's classic entrepreneur story. Mm-hmm. It's like, this thing doesn't exist. Why doesn't it exist? I'm gonna make it exist and, you know, basically uh, not sleep for four years and mm-hmm. <laughs> just Sums like over consume <laughs> coffee. Yeah, that's kind of what it is, right? Um, but, it, you know, especially now because you've, you know, your company has been acquired, you, you're still here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what drives you now? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a mix of many things. Uh, I'm a business person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to see that. Is it the sport of business? Is that? I think that's part of it. I, th- yeah. I think that it doesn't matter what it is per se in respect to like, I do get enjoyment in terms of seeing growth, uh, adding members to our team, um, building our brands. Like I love the way that our brand has evolved. Uh, there's no way I would have gotten it to where it is without all the amazing design work and that sort of thing. So I think that's one component of it. Uh, However, I mean, BrainStation specifically, obviously being, uh, you know, a co-founder of the brand, it's still uh, obviously very close to home for me. Mm -hmm. And seeing the change that it it kind of facilitates in other people's lives is very cool. And knowing that we're, whether I'm here or not, like the brand in general has just like scraped the surface. Mm -hmm. uh, And there's just so much work to be done in terms of um, not just Toronto and Vancouver and Canada, but globally uh, empowering more people to to shape their own future and like you said using the internet to build whatever they can think of mm-hmm. um, or whatever the internet can provide them so I think with this brand specifically that is something that continues bringing me to work every day just as excited as the day previous mm-hmm. and knowing that we're going to make more and more of an impact and figuring out you know, as an example, we started with community workshops and evolved into part-time courses and full-time courses, and now we're doing a a large amount of enterprise training and that sort of thing. So I think it's just evolving the way that we're empowering people and serving our product, aka digital education, Mm -hmm. to people in a convenient way that works within their life so that they get the most of it and then can move on to that next big thing. It's the first time I heard about you guys. I went online and I'm like, what do you, what do you do? I mean, I know you sell coffee because it's the first thing I see. Yeah. Um, and you know, I went onto the website and I'm like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, everything you would need uh, to start a modern business. Mm-hmm. So if I was starting from scratch, I had a great idea. I could, you know, I can come here and 
through uh, you know uh, through your courses, I can acquire uh, all these skill sets. Um, for those who haven't been to the website yet, can you just kind of run through maybe some of the top courses and, and what you uh, what you try to teach people? Because it's it's a very curated, you know, you can't learn basket weaving here, no. right? Not no. yet. No. No. Uh, yeah, maybe three so D printing basket weaving. Like that maybe would be that very would, cool. Right, At some okay. point, that would be very cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you nailed it. It is a curated set of skills that we're looking to enhance. Um, for freelancers, for entrepreneurs, for uh, Fortune 500 enterprise individuals, working professionals, and every skill set uh, that revolves around the digital life cycle. So um, from web development to mobile development, uh, digital design, so that would include user interface design, kind of what you interact with on an iPhone or a website, user experience design. So how you interact with that technology as a user and, and how you can almost architect the internet to be more user yeah. friendly and approach it with empathy. And, and that's the big thing. That, I mean, that's where the internet has gone. I mean, I don't know if you guys use Slack here. Mm -hmm. uh, we use Slack and one of the things, like I love using Slack, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's a fun app to use. And it's like, if your app isn't fun, if it's not emotional and human, then it's gonna suck, mm -hmm. right, so. Yeah, and I think it, it can be, it can be many different personas that are coming in to utilize our, our educational courses. Mm -hmm. um, but as an example, it could be someone who knows software development, but part-time wants to pick up design because mm -hmm. they're really good at building functional things, but not necessarily approaching issues with empathy. Uh, and then vice versa. You could have a designer that um, I like to, in the physical space, it could be an architect who's world-renowned and just does some really badass uh, blueprints and designs and that sort of thing. But it's almost unrealistic because engineers will look at it and be like, that isn't actually possible. Mm. So in the digital space, it's it's always advantageous to have UI or UX designers also understand front and back end code so that they can be like, okay, by making this look like this, I just added an extra $50,000 to this build because that's gonna take X amount of hours. Uh, whereas a designer without that knowledge wouldn't necessarily approach it with you know the, mm -hmm. the developer's time and therefore the, the price point of that piece of software in mind. Okay. Um, so all that makes total sense, but I think there's probably a couple people listening who are like, what the hell did you just say? Okay. <laughs> so yes. if I'm just somebody, okay, I've got an idea. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's for an app, right? It could be an app that, you know, finds the best apples in Toronto, whatever. I love apples. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a good idea for an app actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I just want to get it out there and I'm excited about this new world and, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've seen Silicon Valley and I, you know, like I, 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 want, to, I want to do it, right? I'm, you know, every, everything about right now is telling me that I should believe in my dreams and I've read the secret and I want to do it. Um, you know, what, like, what am I going to do here? What, mm -hmm. what kind of course is going to help me kind of get to the next level of my, my vision? Totally. Uh, I think that we all have ideas, which is fantastic. And mm -hmm. like you said, there's never, ever been a time in which it's easier to go out there and just make it happen. The tools are there. Um, BrainStation is an example where we are competing with traditional education, which has been around for centuries, uh, and we are a four-year-old educational startup. Like that only is possible because of the power of the internet and digital. So I would say this is a great place to bring those dreams and really hone in on, on that vision and understand it better. Mm -hmm. So we typically ask potential students to come out to a lower price point workshop. So come in on an evening and if you have an app idea, like spend some time going through an intro to web development workshop mm -hmm. and just 
write some lines of code to better comprehend what would go into this piece of technology because your idea is one thing, but actually executing is completely different. If you're someone that has an idea that know, you know that you want to be the person to like create and drive this and build out the web app or website or functionality or whatever it is, then we would start to steer you down the path of web development specifically. Uh, and our web development immersive program is this 10 week long boot camp, 40 hours a week on our second floor right now. We have students that have been in it for about eight weeks now. And you learn how to build a fully functioning web application. Mm -hmm. So that would suffice for an entrepreneur. So you can pay for the course and... Uh... The, yeah, the, the goal is after <laughs> 10 that weeks, easy, yeah. you can start... Or your money back, money. right? Is, that, is there a money back? No. Yeah, that, that should be it. Uh, and then I guess if if you have an idea, but you, you've done some workshops with us and you realize that you're not necessarily the one to code or build it out, a lot of people say like, okay, well then technology isn't necessarily for me. That's not the case whatsoever. Uh, you could be a product manager and you could be the person that actually orchestrates the entire thing. So from budgeting to financing, marketing, sales, uh, to software engineering and designers, you're kind of the one that's overseeing it all in order to get your idea off the ground. I'd say actually that's the most appropriate course for someone with an idea, just to grasp it. Mm -hmm. And then you can go down the designer development front if you'd like, or if you're an aspiring entrepreneur that really wants to get it off the ground as quickly as possible, then you can go the route of uh, getting funding from venture capitalists or angels or whatever it is, and then you can actually afford a team mm -hmm. to support the areas where you're not necessarily the expert. They're uh, pretty easy, right? So you, <laughs> you just follow those steps. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, uh, you know, from from my perspective as an entrepreneur, um, you know, starting something uh, with with passion and and you know some degree of common sense. I don't really know, but you know, definitely the passion side. And then being thrown into this world where you know, like you said, you got to do it do it all. And if your website sucks and you don't have a budget, well, you got to figure out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and if your posters suck, well, you know. You can you can try to you know uh, you can you can try to pay someone to do it, but you know, for me, I, I constantly bumped up against uh, the lack of my own skill set. I badly wish like one of my major uh, if I had a time machine, I could go back. Mm -hmm. One of the major things that I would do is become like a master in graphic design because mm -hmm. I think it's so helpful for everything. Yeah. So graphic design and code, because mm -hmm. you know I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Code seems to me like. Okay, in Canada, English, French, code. Mm -hmm. Like, that should be one of our national languages. Yep. If we're really serious about being an innovative country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, computer programming should be something that is covered mm -hmm. uh, all the way through elementary school, the same way like French, where you can choose to um, move on without that being in your kind of like arsenal. But uh, it's just as imperative. And we're only, again, uh, I come back to like, we're only seeing a little bit of the impact of, of programming and, and code mm -hmm. and that sort of thing, but the lives that we're living already are in the digital space. It's on Instagram, it's uh, checking into CrossFit on a web app or a mobile app or whatever it is. Uh, it's doing your banking, it's buying your tickets for a concert, it, it's everything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's only going to become a larger point or perspective within our lives. And with that amount of growth or building in the digital space, you need individuals that can actually build for that space. Mm -hmm. And this is why we have this kind of gap that exists from a STEM perspective. We don't have enough builders, mm -hmm. uh, whereas everyone's living in these digital houses, sure. but we just don't have enough people to build them. So yeah, a time machine to go back and learn <laughs> computer programming. If 
if uh, if I could when I was eight, yeah. let's say, and just move on from there. Like the the sad part is that that's how long you would have had to be doing it in order to be one of the best. Right. Uh, with that being said, we've proven that the demand is so high that through a ten week computer programming bootcamp at BrainStation or another brand, it really doesn't matter. You can become job or entrepreneurial ready and start building your idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, the, the barriers to entry are just minimizing uh, month by month. Um, so you mentioned STEM, and I've heard this talked about recently quite a bit, is that there is a lack of, um, and if you could describe STEM for everybody, I don't think mm-hmm. it, you know, most people are probably not aware of what that acronym stands for, yeah. but the importance of people having STEM-based educations, whether it's you know, coming up in school or even dipping back into the education world and, and upgrading their, you know, their STEM. Totally. Uh, so STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And these are examples of skill sets which we do not have enough of in our economy. And, and that's a bad sign. That's, that's a bad signal. <laughs> it is. It's a bad signal and it's something that it needs to be course corrected immediately. I mean, it shouldn't have been an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very difficult, I think, for... Why did it... Why did it- Happen this way. I think it's it's difficult for people to see into the future in which it's a future that never existed before. Like doctors, legal, engineering in the physical space, all of those sorts of skills and trades and crafts uh, and careers existed. So if you take it all the way back to the root in, in terms of like education, which is how you kind of become trained into different areas of the economy to be useful and um, to you know live your life and, and succeed. If you think back to instructors or educators at that level who had never experienced consumer-facing internet or and had no idea where it was going, all the way to guidance counselors, to uh, the Ministry of Education when they're architecting what are the key focuses based on what the economy's needs are, no one knew what was coming because it had never existed before. And the scary thing is that we still don't know what's coming. Uh, it's only changing more and more quickly. So when I say that we need more computer programmers, I mean, that's partially correct. Uh, it could be that we need more of something that doesn't exist at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we need extremely forward-thinking people uh, involved in all different layers of government, education being obviously a huge focus, so that we're thinking for the future and preparing for that because we obviously have not, and this is the issue at hand. Um, but the issue also creates more opportunity than has ever been available before. Uh, if you're a junior web developer, it's quite hard to go without finding a job mm-hmm. because everyone is in need of it. Right, and, and uh, I mean, your marketplace is the world. Correct, yes, that's so exactly it's not localized. It. You've taken this localized uh, skill set that you, you had before, and you're able to pick up work in Shanghai, Australia, mm-hmm. Thailand, uh, Auckland, New Zealand, doesn't matter. And I think another comparison that I've used before is that in the in the physical space, so like traditional engineering is one in which in order to work on a bridge, you need to work for an engineering firm with Mm -hmm. enough capital to work on that bridge. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they look to degrees and diplomas and that sort of thing to validate that you have enough knowledge to join our engineering firm. So there's certain barriers that exist, whereas some of the top programmers and um, web designers that I've interacted with are Mm self-taught high school dropouts. You, You can't be or at least it would be way more rare to be a high school dropout that ends up working for a top tier engineering firm and building bridges mm-hmm. because there are certain barriers in your way that you need to overcome those in order to prove yourself and showcase a degree for computer programming that just doesn't exist. You can have a laptop, internet connection, 
Sublime text editor and you can code away and build a beautiful website. Uh, you can teach yourself new skill sets, whether it's web design, development, uh, etc. and you can just keep going. So um, yeah, I think that STEM is very, very important, but it, because we haven't thought too much in advance mm -hmm. and we're left with this shortage of, of STEM trained in individuals, there is this opportunity for non-STEM people to enter into that landscape and change the way that we think about it too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, I hope it's true, but I heard that uh, the light bulb moment for a brain station may have happened during a workout, maybe a CrossFit workout. Mm -hmm. Is that is that yeah. true? Uh, I think parts of it, it definitely was uh, a big light bulb that went off. So um, myself and Duncan, another one of the co-founders at brain station, we were at, where were we at this point? I've bounced around a few different CrossFit boxes in Toronto because uh, I've lived different areas. Uh, I think it was CrossFit 416 at that point. And we were doing um, some workouts and uh, discussing kind of these pain points. And Duncan also is from a business background, finance background, mm -hmm. like, like myself. Uh, I went to Western University for finance and I talked about how I you know, really wanted to excel in the e-commerce space, but I didn't want to do a four-year computer science degree. I wanted something that was more intimate, something that was faster, something that would get me to a point where I could lead a team authentically, um, not necessarily be a developer or, mm -hmm. or anything like that, but be a technologist in general. And the cross- so You wanted to start the real learning. Yes. Which is hands-on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I wanted to start with the hands-on and, and CrossFit really inspired the way that we approached education in general in that beyond the subject matter itself of looking into, I guess, programming or technology for non-technologists, mm -hmm. that was like one of the categories of, you know, we're looking to solve this issue. But then beyond that, we started to look at the issues within education itself and I could answer that issue with going back to do a four-year degree, but at this point, I already have one undergrad. Uh, I just got back from backpacking. I have no money. Uh, I want to learn an accelerated rate. Sure. Um, and, and I mean, you don't have to answer this, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe not. <laughs> do you not think the institutionalized education is very bloated and potentially inefficient? I'm not saying like across the board, but you know, it, institutions are having a hard time catching up with the pace of actual um, knowledge and what we need to be successful in this new world. Totally. Uh, I think that yes, uh, vaguely speaking, it is bloated. Uh, I would say specifically in the technology sector. Uh, I think that something like like legal hasn't changed substantially. Sure. So it's something where the traditions of learning it this way and that sort of thing, like really it's a case count. Yeah, like I don't think I wanna, you know, no offense, I don't wanna get my law or medical degree from yes. brain station. <laughs> totally, and that wouldn't be the, the right path. Right. Whereas something like technology, like computer programming mm -hmm. as an example, if you were to go back to a traditional school, you're learning some frameworks that they're, they're so valuable, don't get me wrong, but it's more ancient infrastructure or, or languages that aren't really relevant. Like the second you get into the real world, you're like, oh, those languages you're not even using. Mm -hmm. um, now, it's important to learn with those frameworks. Uh, however, it can be done in an accelerated r rate in which you're learning uh, the cutting edge. You're learning the languages that like came out six months ago that traditional schools just there's no way that they, they can't can evolve up. that quickly. No. Right. They and can't publish their textbooks to. in that no. you know, short of a time frame. Um, what, um, what kind of people are coming to BrainStation? Mm -hmm. So I guess demographically speaking, is it younger? Is it older? Is it across the board? Um, <laughs> I think that I think it somewhat could be similar to CrossFit mm. uh, in respect that like it is all walks of life, but it's 
from what I've experienced at CrossFit boxes, it's kind of like the 25 to 35 year old working professional that values development in general skills, skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, CrossFit individuals develop fitness skills, right. Mm -hmm. And, and community and and that sort of thing. Um, but they're really focused on making themselves better every day Mm -hmm. and day out. And BrainStation is quite similar in the respect that this is someone that may not even need the skill set that we're teaching, but they're curious. And it could be a working professional that's working for a large CPG company, and they know that they just opened up the digital division of that CPG company where you know all of the fast-paced moves are being made. And they're like, look, I have a sweet job at this company, but I want to be on the digital team. That is the future. I want to be a VP of digital or whatever it is. So they would come to BrainStation in order to evolve that skill set. So working professionals for larger companies, I would say make up 50% of our actual- So currently employed. Currently employed, yeah. And I think that was the structure that we incorporated um, in the part-time space. Like part-time programs are a big aspect of, Mm -hmm. of um, of our school. And beyond that, then it would be kind of like freelancers and entrepreneurs. So if you're an entrepreneur and uh, you have this idea, you could come and do our 10 week immersive bootcamp. And within 10 weeks, you would be able to go and start building that idea into a fully functioning app. But that's a very different person than said person from one of the big banks coming back because they want to join the digital team at their bank. Um, yeah. Um, real softball question for you, mm-hmm. but what's the future of education? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me think here. Crystal ball. Yeah. Uh, future of education. It's a tricky one. I mean, we've always gone back and forth around completely digitally driven education and physical mm-hmm. and the need for both. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, again, coming back to CrossFit, uh, CrossFit something where the experience is the community. It's mm-hmm. the social aspect. It's knowing that you're interacting with essentially a personal trainer and you're sharing that experience with a small group of eight others. So you could, if you were extremely disciplined, do all of that online if you had a home gym. But I mean, I've tried that. It's not the same experience. It's not the same whatsoever. And it's the same thing with education. Mind you, there are people that do it and I envy those people, but I think that they are the very um, small uh, percentage Mm -hmm. where you could go and learn computer programming if you had enough time. Um, But in the end, the searching costs associated with finding everything and not being able to bounce off questions in the physical space with mentors, Mm Uh, other students work on projects, get that real-time feedback, I think takes away from that ability. So I think the future of education uh, in general and technology education specifically is a mix of both physical and digital. Mm. Um, will there come a time where uh, after high school people will um, not necessarily go to university? Like that won't be the popular option, especially with just the mounting costs and, and, and everyone uh, you know not seeing the need to go into debt for most of their... Most of their lifetime. Um, do you think they'll be driven more towards uh, this type of education mm-hmm. online or, or blended online and classroom? And will there be some kind of a standardized like accreditation system that will recognize what you do and maybe some of uh, the other people in the space? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. That A little bit out of my controllables, but mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, I think that... Like it's got to go that way. Totally. I, I think that it has to... Um, I feel that a lot of individuals that are going to college or university 
a big part of it is peer pressure. It's kind of like the status quo, and I totally get that. But if there mm-hmm. were other options that were endorsed just as not just as much, if not more, uh, with the same results that ourselves and other coding boot camps and technology schools have been able to showcase, then they would go the the direction that they should go to, mm-hmm. to which is like I'm going to learn this skill set and I'm going to go build my business or I'm going to contribute to a company after. Mm-hmm. 10 weeks, let alone four years mm-hmm. and all of that tuition and the opportunity costs and all that sort of thing. So I think with that, regulation has to become more flexible and, and lenient and that sort of thing. And we've already seen that since we've been in the space. Um, but, but I guess, do you think it, that's not going to come from the institutional? It's not going to be led by institutions. It's going to be led by the market, which mm-hmm. is kind of what every... I mean, you know, it's the same way Uber changed transportation. Mm -hmm. That wasn't an institutional change. That was a market-driven change. Yeah, I think that the change will come from the market. Mm -hmm. Uh, The consumers will figure out what they want. The entrepreneurs will figure out what the consumers are looking for. Mm -hmm. They'll solve that pain point, uh, which Uber did, obviously, and and many others have, Airbnb, etc. And once the consumers realize how much better this is than the other option, then things mm-hmm. will start to change because the masses become mm-hmm. just aware of like, wow, this is so much better than what we're used to. Uh, as an example, I was in Vancouver uh, just last week and I, I always forget that they don't have Uber there. And yeah. then I realized like, oh my gosh, like Uber is such a streamlined service. Does that qualify for being, uh, you know, uh, classified as a third world country if you don't have Uber? That, <laughs> yeah. might, I think that might do it for me. That's becoming the status quo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so speaking of, uh, you know, being in spaces and having some kind of a human experience, uh, you know, number one, your classrooms are, are beautiful. The building's beautiful, you. you know, compared to the, uh, the portables that I, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like grew, like, you know, had to sit in during, uh, my high school education. Uh, it's a great space to learn. Why do you have a coffee shop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's that about? Uh, our coffee brand, Quantum Coffee, mm-hmm. is a sibling company. So that actually we we spun up through Conrad Group. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be considered a sibling company, but it really is part of the holistic experience that we're looking to create, uh, in which we not only have education, but uh, you could start your day with us mm-hmm. at six a.m. Uh, you could come do a sweat session, which we do on on Sundays and sometimes during the week, where you could come and do yoga in our space when it's not being used. And then you could stop by Quantum Coffee and grab an iced latte or mm-hmm. you could grab an Americano or whatever it is and, you know, get, get the juices flowing. And then that same person could transition into the full-time program at BrainStation, mm-hmm. uh, which they would finish off at 5 p.m. and then finish it with, you know, an inspiring spe- speaker that evening mm-hmm. talking through the future of digital. And all of that is kind of 6 a.m. until 10 p.m. Right. Uh, so it's this all-around holistic experience. And I think we're really just starting to chip away at like what mm-hmm. what is possible in that respect but yeah. coffee was a big component of that yeah. <laughs> so you don't want people to leave yeah. which is it's funny so this building used to be a backpackers hostel yeah right which uh, i think is is really fitting because uh you know you mentioned in in your writings that uh a huge experience uh i guess that that kind of maybe led you uh, to this path in the unique way that that you arrived here uh was your experience traveling mm-hmm. how did that how does that influence you to this day yeah uh, backpacking was was just as much, if not more, influential on in my life as a four year degree mm-hmm. um, in a in a school. So mm-hmm. it, it was awesome. I think you're learning on the fly. You're being vulnerable again. To come back to that, you you meet new people. You're in awkward situations. You just need to figure your way out of it. Uh, you live minimalistly as well. So uh, as an example. 
as a, a founder CEO, but a CEO, mind you, I still use Airbnb and I try and cut the cost as much as possible. And I hop around different cities um, because it's all about extending your run rate. Uh, even as a four year in startup, you're still a startup, you're still aspiring to bigger and better things. And that greediness definitely came from li living out of a backpack mm -hmm. in hostels for mm -hmm. uh, about a year. So I think the greediness, the vulnerability, and then just in general, being open to like meeting new people and shaking hands and saying hi to people and being overly friendly because if you didn't do that when you're backpacking, you would never speak to anyone. Like you have to be outgoing. And I think as an entrepreneur, especially in the early days, the only way we got off the ground was that I went to every single technology meetup in Toronto and just met a bunch of people, talked about our vision, talked about their goals and, and really just networked. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You, most of your work history has been about building community. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's the, the way you do it, right? Yes. You just go to where it is. Get out there. <laughs> get, yeah. get out there. Um, so, you know, you're, you're a really thoughtful person. You're like very humble. It's the first time we've, we've, we've actually met. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I wanted to ask you about something that I found on your blog, which was, uh, it, it was uh, way back in 2013. Uh, you had gone to a Kanye West concert. And you write, as arrogant as he can be, I can't think of anyone that performs as well as him live. Mm -hmm. I was split up and uh, it was split up in acts with props, dancers and costumes. For every fan he loses with an arrogant remark, he gains thousands of super fans every time he throws a concert. <laughs> uh, throw them diamonds up. <laughs> <laughs> so it was um, uh, an interesting comment because I wanted to, um, to, I mean, Kanye is, you know, he's the entrepreneur of entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. Self-made guy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what, you know, hip hop is, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but this kind of, this line between arrogance and self-belief and vision and, and frankly, the stubbornness that you need to achieve great things, mm -hmm. right? Um, have you flirted with that line? Where you know, I'm not saying to Kanye proportions mm -hmm. where you're kind of an asshole. Most I don't of the think time. that's possible. No, yeah. no, no. Um, yeah. Uh, You'd have to get like a gold chain or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of getting it for the academy. But is that ever been something for you, especially you know being at the helm of, of an organization? And you know, it, have there been times where um, you know there's been, I guess, uh, the need to uh, you know maybe be arrogant or maybe have enough self belief that uh, people just didn't like you or you rubbed them the wrong way? Mm -hmm. I flirt with this all the time, by the way. I don't think so. I mean, you have to ask the team. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel that they would say no. Uh, I can be stubborn at times around oh. around our business and um, education in general, just making sure that the, the student experience is mm -hmm. optimal mm -hmm. and anything but that just doesn't, doesn't pass mm -hmm. uh, in, in respect to like, uh, pass or fail the way that I look at things. So I think if I was to be stubborn, it's for the benefit of our business and obviously the students which drive our business. But I don't think I really flirt with arrogance or anything like that. I feel that, um, I don't know, it's a mix of the way that I was raised as well as backpacking. Uh, I feel that I try to approach things humbly mm -hmm. and I think also it's it's led to the success that we've had in terms of like community building and that sort of thing. If I was overly arrogant uh, in the educational space. Um, may maybe I should put it this way. I don't think I'm smart enough to be overly arrogant because 
if you were intelligent enough, people are going to listen to you no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Kanye, with rap music as an example, is so good and he pushes the boundaries, the, the sounds that he comes up with uh, and that sort of thing. And I've followed his progression um, since the beginning. I think he's just that good and rap music is something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is that room in education for being arrogant. There is totally room for being stubborn when it comes to like quality and, and your vision and that sort of thing. But I don't think I take the same approach that one would take in hip-hop i mean if i was a rapper <laughs> i might be a bit more badass but yeah. i don't think it passes uh the grade in the educational space yeah. uh what's the best kanye record um uh, that's a hard question <laughs> we got college dropout well yeah i mean if we're gonna go record college dropout mm -hmm. is my favorite uh I actually really, and I, I might not get the name right, but the final song on College Dropout talks about his entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. And that, it's not really a song per se, but I just thought that was always moving. And every time I listen to that album uh, in its full, it's yeah. not a song that I like skip through ever. I re-listen to it over and over. And he talks about interacting with Jay-Z and, and all that. So yeah, Closing Something is yeah. the name of it. But College Dropout would be my top. I'm a... Uh... It, it's a it's a it's a weird choice, but I really like 808s and Heartbreak, and that record gets a lot of uh, haters. a lot of haters. <laughs> um, but it influenced like this new wave of hip hop. I mean, mm -hmm. for better or worse. But anyway, I thought that was a really great record, yeah. and um, you know, like he he that was kind of like still likably weird creative Kanye. Like mm -hmm. he's kind of ventured into this other Kardashian world, which is yep. pretty annoying. Yeah. Um, but there. anyway, that's for another podcast. I wrote this in 2013, <laughs> so my opinions so may have changed. You weren't aware of the future, right? Oh, that's, that's, Kanye, what have you done? Um, what's the book you've reread the most? Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, maybe even piece of music you've listened to the most, but something influential. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why... I mean, I really enjoy it, but I read To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. now six times. I just reread it, and I think that takes it in terms of rereading a book quite a few times. Mm -hmm. um, did you read it in high school? I did, yeah. Okay. I, I read it actually in elementary school in grade eight, okay. and then I read it in high school because it was kind of like required, which mm -hmm. was great. Uh, and then I've read it a few times since then, and I just, yeah, I find it so, so interesting, so many interesting themes, uh, and I love books or in general music or shows or movies that take me back to a different era and allow mm -hmm. me to kind of like see it at that point and you're kind of traveling through time in that respect so I think To Kill a Mockingbird does a, a really effective job at that and I saw that it's on Netflix the movie which I haven't seen Great. so you haven't seen the movie? no oh Gregory Peck it's yeah it's phenomenal okay yeah Atticus Finch um, but that's actually one of my future projects is to go back and reread the books that they made me read yep because um, I definitely didn't appreciate them no. at the time. And it's interesting, like, do you, you may not appreciate it at the time, but do you pick up even a small piece yeah. of that and, and just intrinsically take that in and then propel that yeah. out into your future life? Yeah. Or is it just completely lost? I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, I think that it could have an impact. It could change the way that you see the world and that sort of thing. It'd be cool to see. It's like, oh, that's why I think that way. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. It could be that way. No, I've read, I've reread quite a few of those books. The Great Gatsby was one. Uh, the Wars is one that I need to mm -hmm. reread. Uh, Heart of Darkness. Uh, I reread that last year. Yeah, th those books are, they're in the curriculum for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're all mm. top tier books. Um, 
where do you want to uh, go next, uh, travel-wise? Mm-hmm. Where's the next place? Maybe you haven't been there. Uh, so I'm surprising my girlfriend, or I have surprised, I told her two weeks ago, uh, for her 30th birthday, we're going to Portugal and Spain. Oh, so cool. So I've never been to Europe. Uh, really? I've been in a lot of other places. I focused on uh, other zones of the world. So mm-hmm. the next journey is, is Europe for me. Yeah. And oh, Spain wow. and Portugal uh, really captured my attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think we, uh, we can wrap it up there. I could ask you like millions of questions. I actually have millions of questions here, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I know you're probably busy uh, trying to fix, uh, you know, the state of education in, Do my best. in the world, right? So I'll let you get back to it for, for, uh, for all our sakes. But uh, thanks a lot, man. This was really, uh, this was really cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who made this podcast possible. Academy of Lions. Growing community through physical culture and mindful living since 2008. Try a class for free or come and run with our crew on Thursdays. www.academyoflions.com And at Academy of Lions on Instagram and Twitter. And of course on the Facebook too. We're also supported by the great people at Canada Running Series. Enter your first 5K, 10K, half marathon or marathon this year with the support of Academy of Lions and our partners at CRS, who put on the best races in Canada. Our run crew is presently training for the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon in October. Register at CanadaRunningSeries.com. Big shout out to Bikes on Wheels, with two stores to serve you in Toronto. Great deals on bikes, parts, accessories and service. Tell them Academy of Lions sent you. Wink wink. See what they got at bikesonwheels.com. Another huge shout out to our homie Chris Hambone Hamill who owns the best barber shop in the city. It's the reason I look so damn good. Go to townbarber.ca to book your haircut now. All the music you hear on this and other Academy of Alliance podcasts is provided generously by arts and crafts music. Support great Canadian culture and great music from around the world. Broken Social Scene, Feist, Stars, Metric, Kevin Drew and more can be found on arts-crafts.ca. The podcast is recorded in Toronto at Academy of Lions or on location. And sometimes we use the amazing tattoo studios on Ossington. If anyone is looking for a great recording studio for music, commercials or any sound design, please check out our neighbors at www.ta2music.com. This podcast is hosted, edited and produced by Danny Oaks. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.